Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, the number one secret to getting booked and staying booked even now, informative. If you are unable to listen and you would like to find the links, you can find them on iTunes and my Facebook page, as well as YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about our guest. Jimmy Kern Martin is a California licensed property, casualty, and accident health insurance broker. He began his career in the business insurance industry in 2007 at ISU, the Olson Duncan Agency in Torrance. He received his formal education from Loyola Marymount University, where he received a Bachelor of Arts degree with a minor in business administration. He earned his chartered property casualty underwriter, the CPCU designation, in April 2014. The CPCU designation is widely considered the most distinguished designation offered in the insurance industry. Achieving the designation requires completion of eight phases covering topics such as risk management, insurance operations, business law, finance and accounting, property insurance, and liability insurance. Jimmy's focus is working with small to mid-sized businesses, assisting them with their risk management insurance needs. Jimmy grew up in Fullerton and currently lives in Orange County today with his wife and two daughters. So thanks for joining me today, Jim. How are you doing? Hey, Candy. How's it going today? Good. Thank you for joining us. I know you were a guest on my show last year, um, but for anyone who maybe didn't hear that show, doesn't know about you, um, heard a little bit on your bio, um, but can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you actually got started as an insurance broker? For sure. Yes. So uh, I did start in the industry back in 2007. 
as the jokes always go in our industry, you don't really aspire to be an insurance broker, you know, when you're in college or, or looking ahead at your future. But I had the luxury and, and the benefit of knowing a, uh, my current uh, principal of my agency was the mutual friend of mine who was looking to really groom and mentor somebody into the industry and make a career out of it, which is where I was at my time in my life. It was, I was 27 years old, uh, no family yet or anything like that, looking to, to build a career. So, uh, you know, fast forward here, I am 13 years later, uh, been working at ISU, the Olson Duncan agency and uh, building a career out of this. And, uh, you know, it's been a really good 13 years. And, and uh, at this point, I'm, I'm an insurance geek and I, I really like everything I do every day. So I think this is it. This is, this is where I'll be from, uh, from now until I retire. Nice. Well, it is something important. You know, it's the same thing. People don't always think they want to, you know, do bookkeeping or payroll or any of the stuff that we do too, because a lot of people just don't like math or, you know, <laughs> you know don't want to do that. You know? so they're not always seen as the fun careers, you know, but they're both right. important, right? <laughs> so. 100%. Mm -hmm. So I want to start talking, first of all, on what type of business insurance really do entrepreneurs need? I think there's, you know, some misunderstanding because there's so many different types of insurance. So if you just want to give a brief overview first of just generally what they might need, and then we can go into more detail on each one. Yeah, for sure. Well, with insurance and, and specifically property and casualty insurance, there's a good 10 different lines or, or buckets of insurance that apply to that. No business is the same. I mean, there you, you, can, mm -hmm. you, you can look at two businesses and they don't have the same risk exposure. So our job is really to drill down and, and really determine where their exposures are, their, their risk exposures, and then build protection and coverage around that. Uh, like we talked about in, in, in our prior interview together, I mean, at its core, I'd say uh, most, of all, most businesses all need some degree of general liability coverage. That's probably the number one area of insurance if I could pinpoint one. Mm -hmm. that everybody has an exposure to, but, uh, you know, beyond that, I, I think work comp general liability would be the two most common and, uh, where they need to be in those spectrums is also different, but, uh, no doubt mm -hmm. those, those are, those are the two common insurance companies right. that all businesses have risk exposures for. And I think we probably should just mention too. I mean, I think it's in most States. I mean, there might be one or two, maybe this isn't the case, but from what I've understand workers compensation if you don't have it and they find out you don't have it they can come and literally shut you down that day until you can actually get insurance in place is that correct yeah it, it, it's it's not i don't see those stories happen often but it, it's happened yeah i've gotten calls with somebody saying gosh you know we had someone come by our office uh, we are locked out and literally and uh, we need to get a policy quick because uh, because of that i don't think there's people really on the hunt out there trying to pinpoint people that don't have work comp, but it happens. And right. I think, uh, you know, you obviously would want to be compliant before that ever becomes the case. Most importantly, because if you do have an employee that gets hurt then it's right. going to be coming out on your pocket. So uh, don't try and uh, don't try and cheat the system, I guess is what it comes down to. Right. And I think one other thing we probably should touch on in, in that before we move on the different types of insurance or too, because I know there's so many to cover, um, is understanding when they have to cover independent contractors and when they don't, because sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but it gets a little confusing. So can you touch on that for someone who maybe doesn't understand why they would even need to have coverage? Yeah, for sure. And here in California, this is always evolving with this AB5 ruling that was uh, really starting to be enforced as of, I think, July this year. But uh, for the most part, if, if you have a pretty 
uh, a lot of direction and control over your employees. I mean, if they're in your industry, um, you know, you're, if you're say a bookkeeper, if you're if you're hiring somebody to help you on a independent contractor basis, part time doing bookkeeping itself, I mean, chances are no matter what, even if you don't have a direction control, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be uh, responsible for covering their work comp. Uh, you know, because the carrier will pay the cost of their work related injuries if it ever came to that. But you know, but at the same time, if you're a bookkeeping company and using a um, uh, some kind of marketing person to help generate sales for your business, that might be a totally different industry, might not have as much as an impact and in, in, in the need to carry work comp for somebody outside of your field of work. But uh, but at the end of the day, if you have any questions, I mean, you definitely should be talking to either an employment attorney or, you know, if it's accounting specific or in, insurance specific, talking to your, uh, your partner on those sides of things because uh, it's just not one size fits all. Right. I think the main times I've seen it become an issue is really like in the construction industry or something too. Like if the worker doesn't already have their own license and they're not already covered on their own policy, even if it's a subcontractor, it's not an employee, you're supposed to have them covered. So I thought, well, probably at least touch on that. Good point. And, And that's a big thing. I mean, if you could even, if you're working with an independent contractor and they do carry their own work comp insurance, you get a certificate of insurance reflecting that. And there's going to be no questions. You get audited. You show that certificate to the carrier audit, the carrier auditor, and uh, that would alleviate any any gray area right there. So that's a good point. Right. So you were talking earlier about general liability, and that's what pretty much everyone needs too. So to help explain the difference too, because I know there's some other ones that include the word liability in there too, and people don't always understand the difference. What is general liability specifically, and what does it cover? General liability is specifically covering you in the event a, uh, a client, a customer, a third party brings uh, a claim of negligence against you for bodily injury or property damage. Uh, it might be a situation where they're visiting your premises and slip and fall, get hurt, hold you negligent as the business owner, or uh, product liability is also entailed within general liability. You make a product, somebody gets hurt using your product and wants to hold you liable for their injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's the core of general liability. And finally, if you're in a business where you're like a contractor, um, there's the completed operations aspect. You do a job at somebody's premises um, after your job is completed and you're, you're off the, the, the premises. If anything were to happen, uh, somebody gets hurt because of your, your default work or something along those lines, general liability is going to protect you from a claim others bring against you. Mm-hmm. Well, now that so many people are working from home, I mean, we had home-based businesses before too, but now, especially with COVID and most people can't be in their office. I mean, if they're set up for any capability of working from home or elsewhere remotely, that's ideally what they're doing. So if someone is working from their home, can they get an additional like rider on their home insurance or must they have a separate policy? They pretty much need to have a separate policy. I don't really encounter a lot of personal lines, homeowners, insurance carriers that that uh, allow for any type of business exposure. I mean, not to say that there's there's some that might be out there that I'm unaware of, but you're always going to have to pretty much separate the business from the personal. And uh, not to go off on a, on a tangent, but I mean, if you are a small independent home-based business, uh, don't be thinking a million dollar policy is going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars a year. It's, it's really kind of meets the exposure. Where you're, it's, it's very inexpensive. If you do in fact need to get a liability policy specific to your business operations. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's just some confusion that 
it's just going to be super expensive. But like you said, it's probably also dependent on the industry or the business size or things like that too, correct? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a bookkeeper, a consultant, and you're, uh, you might have a higher, a higher, uh, E&O, errors and emissions exposure, but your general liability exposure, you don't have people coming onto your premises. You don't go see many people. I mean, you're not swinging hammers and uh, creating a lot of risk. You know, there's not going to be a lot of costs associated with your your coverage. I mean, you can get a, a, a million dollar liability policy for as little as, you know, four or $500 a year, depending on the carrier. So. Right. And like you said, then the, that liability insurance is covering those who aren't employed and that's where the workers compensation is for those who are employed so that's where they kind of go hand in hand correct that's right yeah uh, there's the, if, if an employee of yours uh, gets hurt i mean it, it the, the thing to remember is general liability is if a third party somebody outside of your business brings a claim against you if your employee gets hurt of course that falls into to work comp and that's where the big differentiator is right there right so then is business insurance required by law? Really the only requirement for the most part you'll see is work comp. You have employees on your payroll, state laws do require you to carry work comp insurance. Um, outside of work comp, really the only requirements come from like a contract with another party, but uh, mm -hmm. state or government wise, work comp is, 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 is the one that uh, is required by law if you have employees. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a good point when you mentioned that too, in terms of contracts. I mean, I know too, I've seen things for either myself or clients sometimes that they'll say they want to see, even like my landlord at one point wanted to see that I was covered and that they were like secondarily covered. So yeah. that's kind of when you really see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially you talk about a landlord. That's a big one. That's where we get a lot of calls. You're entering a lease. The landlord has the 25 page lease agreement. There's always that insurance clause in there. And the biggest area that you're going to find every landlord wanting is you to carry as a tenant general liability coverage so that, uh, and they'll commonly ask for you to name them as an additional insured on your policy. Mm -hmm. And naturally the reason for that is if, uh, if you do have a, uh, someone coming on, on, on site to your office, they get hurt. You're the negligent party. Well, the building owner doesn't want to have to, to pay out of pocket for, for your negligence. So uh, your policy essentially becomes the first line of defense. And then of course the landlord has their own insurance, but uh, that's, it's kind of limiting their risk by, by doing it that way. That's, very, that's probably the number one reason why we get calls in our office is, is somebody entering into a new lease where it's, it's required by contract to carry that, that coverage specifically. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, another type of insurance is that EPLI. So can you explain, you know, to listeners what that means and what does it cover? EPLI is short for Employment Practices Liability. If you're in California, you probably have a good sense of the term. It's, it's, uh, it's also, of course, a, a form of liability. Not, we're not talking bodily injury, property damage. It's more of that employer-employee relationship. If, uh, if, you if you are an employer, ever have an allegation or suit for wrongful termination, sexual mm -hmm. harassment, failure to hire, failure to promote, uh, list goes list goes on pretty pretty deep but um yeah that specifically would be needed if you are an employer to defend yourself from claims an employee brings against you it could not only just be an employee it could be a, an applicant it could be a former employee but uh but if you do have a suit in any way alleging um you know mismanagement uh, in, in those areas i just mentioned uh that's not general liability coverage you would need employment practices mm -hmm. um i i think uh 
it's a biggie here in California. There's the litigiousness that we what we find, right. and uh, it's becoming even more so in this era that we're in with just you know social uh, stuff going on socially with the you know maybe Me Too movement or um, mm-hmm. you know just a, a race and, and gender. So uh, yeah, that that that's that's a big. I'd, I'd say that's the a close third behind general liability and work comp where employers should really have to think about picking up that coverage because of the uh, exposure they have there. Right. Actually, you know, in California, of course, too, we had that we had to have a sexual harassment training for all of our staff, you know, by January 1st of 2021. And I know one of the statistics that they had on there was, you know, one of the suits that was filed was for age discrimination and it was like a million dollar, you know, payout. And then there was another one, I forget the specifics, but it was maybe like 3 million. And then sexual harassment was like $60 million or something. I mean, I might be wrong on the figure, but they were saying that these payouts are so huge now on these cases. So it's really important to have that protection because obviously that's going to put any business out of business if someone brings a claim and wins a case. Yeah, I think that's the reason why too. It is getting costlier and the mostly because of the these claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people just assume that I pick up a policy because it will help cover damages that are uh, awarded against me. But I think the most important element to these is the defense coverage you get, even if it's a, a frivolous allegation that doesn't carry any ground, I mean, you're going to have to defend yourself. And, and right. part of that limit that you carry, you might have a million dollar limit employment practices liability policy, but after a year long court battle, <laughs> that whole bucket might be drained and just defending your business in a suit. So that's, right. that's probably the biggest part is the defense element to the, to the coverage. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And like you said, I mean, you hope you never have a frivolous claim against you, but if you do, it's going to cost a lot of money just to go through, you know, that whole process just to prove you really didn't do anything wrong, which, you know, is a negative side of that ability for employees, but I understand, you know, they want to be able to protect employees as well. So. Yeah. Something to add that too is, is the good thing about these policies. If you do, if you do purchase one is the carriers don't want to pay claims either. So Mm -hmm. there is an H element to them where uh, by buying a policy you actually have I don't know of any cares that don't have this option but they, they basically have a, a, a help desk 24-7 help desk a number you can call or a link that you could access where you can connect with California or whatever state you're in uh, right. employment professionals and, and they basically if you have a situation going on I don't know whether you need to discipline an employee potentially let them go well before making a decision that you're not, you know, professionally, you know, you don't know the, what the outcome could be. You, you actually right. consult with an attorney or an HR professional. They kind of help you walk through you, like how, how should we deal with this so that they can help prevent a claim. So I, I, I'd say just that alone is probably the most important right. part about buying a policy like this. And I can't tell you how many times people have, after they bought a policy, maybe months down the line, when, when a claim actually happens, when they, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you, like just that, that part alone is, everything to me just to have that consultation so yeah that's a big piece of the uh, EPLI coverage that uh, most Mm -hmm. might not even think about it at all so I agree it's important too because you might think you're terminating someone for cause you know attendance issues or you know different things I mean attendance is pretty black and white but maybe there's an issue you've had to reprimand someone and you think you have good cause uh, and you terminate someone and then they come with a you know some type of discrimination suit and you didn't even see that that was there so by talking to someone ahead of time they can say well are there any of these potential red flags that we need to really look at first and so i think that's a fabulous asset you know to having that insurance 
because you can reach out and ask those questions and make sure you're doing everything right. Even if you think you're in the right, like they can say, yes, everything's great. Or you might want to be careful, you know, maybe do yeah. a, something else. So I think and you get, you know, cool. you're as a business owner, your passion, you know, I, you know, I'm going to get this guy or, or you just, it, 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 you really just kind of stay in your lane, let them kind of consult on how to handle it. So it doesn't become right. a bigger issue. And, uh, well, I was going to add to that. Um, one big thing too, because of how litigious our world is and, and the, the deductibles on these policies are getting kind of high. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're in LA County, you might be looking at like, they call them retentions, but you could be looking at a minimum retention of $25,000 out of pocket before these policies kick in. But they also have uh, clauses in these contracts. If, if you consult with that hotline to help you know, you talk to an experienced professional on the carrier side before you make a decision. Well, they might chop your deductible down because you consulted with them right. first. So it's, it's, you know, helps, helps with the out of pocket as well. When, mm -hmm. when That's they good. want to I encourage you to use their that. service. Yeah. <laughs> good information. Mm -hmm. So we talked about general liability and then you briefly had mentioned professional liability. So I would love for you to talk about really what is the difference between general liability and professional liability? With general liability, just to emphasize, you're, you're talking about claims brought against you for bodily bodily injury or property damage. On professional liability, which is also referred to as errors and omissions, like you know, it's gonna protect you for your professional malpractice. So if you're offering a service to others for a fee, a bookkeeper, an insurance broker, uh, it's like a doctor carrying malpractice. If what if your decisions, uh, if if your guidance to somebody else. Um, it, it caused them any kind of financial harm and they want to hold you liable for it. You know, Jimmy, you told me to do this and I did. And now uh, I'm, I, I'm suffering a financial loss. I'm going to hold you liable for it. That's the errors and omissions side, mm -hmm. the professional liability side. And, and it's really critical for anybody in the business of uh, offering a service to others for a fee. You know, you talk mm -hmm. about attorneys. Um, see, I, uh, like a, uh, a bookkeeper, an accountant might have a higher degree of exposure for, you know, than a, uh, a contractor or something like that, but it's still there. And uh, th that's the main uh, emphasis behind errors and omissions is for your professional negligence. Yeah. And I was going to ask that too, is it more like in the legal and financial or are there other industries maybe that would still need that professional engine? Cause it does seem like Yes, yeah, somebody, a CPA made a mistake on a tax return and it cost them, you know, extra taxes. I can see where that is. Or an attorney gave some information and they're still, you know, lost their suit or something like that makes sense. But if there's other specific industries, maybe that fall under that, that maybe don't seem as obvious, you know, that would be good to know. Yeah. Um, you know, it even goes as deep as hairstylists, uh, mm. light industries. I mean, you, uh, <laughs> there's always that little boundary. What's professional liability? What's general liability? But yeah, I mean, you could be a hairstylist and, and, mess someone's hair up, burn their hair out, or I don't know, something mm. along those lines. And well, does that constitute a general liability claim or a professional claim? Um, it, it, those are some areas that you might not so much think about these every day. You know, these aren't people, these aren't um, bookkeepers, accountants, lawyers. They're just everyday, you know, hairstylists or, geez, right. uh, I'm just trying to think, you know, uh, even contractors, they, they do, if they're giving advice to others, they're not just building, like if mm. you're a general contractor building somebody's house, you might also be like telling them you should do it this way or that way. And you're, uh, you're offering guidance. So then you do have this exposure for professional liability that you might not know about. So, uh, mm. you know, it's really important um, outside of, uh, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can't really think of any specific, like 
odd business off the top of my head right here now, but um, well, I was I, just thinking, what about like coaches or consultants or something? Because oh, they're yeah. mentoring or guiding, you know, and maybe they suggest, yeah, that would be a great product 100%. to take the market. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I can just using my own experience. I, I even have a, a client that is a, a lot of ex Olympians, and they are coaching like they're they're being mentors to to youth in whatever sport they. And yeah, you're you're you know you're helping them not only with their game and skill, but you're also kind of guiding them on um, just, just motive. Just, you're trying to put them on a path to like aspire to be where, where they, they, they have been. And, and it's, it's things to say, but you might have a parent, well, my kid never became an Olympian and we paid you all this money. And, and, and you know, we, we want, we want to um, hold you liable. That, that didn't happen. So I, I, it really, yeah, it definitely goes deep into to areas like that, that you would never think of. And, you know, I think it all goes back to the start of this call no business is the same. And right. that's the, I think the importance of really kind of consulting with, with an insurance professional to where are my exposures? I mean, you might not think about this stuff, but, but by, by consulting and uh, it, it makes it easier for me to have a specific case so that I can really dive down and say, Ooh, you know, this could happen. That could happen. Maybe we should look at protecting you for this area. Yeah. That, that, I think that really uh, reinforces the start of this call and, and making sure like, you know, where you could have exposures and talking, talking about it with somebody. Right. Well, on another like line of insurance that, you know, is important as well as data breach. And we've heard about, you know, people's emails being hacked or the big co corporations or medical company, you know, information being hacked. So is data breach important just for like the big companies that seem like they're the targets or should little companies be concerned about that too and have that coverage? Like what is your recommendation for that data breach coverage? If you asked me two years ago, three years ago, I'd, I'd say, you know, yeah, the targets of the world or Walmarts. I mean, those are the guys that got to be worried, but it's, I hate to say, I'm not, I feel like a doomsday. Um, everything I'm telling you here as a small business, you got to like watch out for everything, but yeah, it's now becoming a big problem for small businesses. I mean, right. those, I think hackers are starting to target those that maybe aren't as uh, seasoned in protecting their data. They can get, mm -hmm. gain easier access. So they're get, they're going for it. Right. You might have the big organizations, no matter how hard you try and protect what you got, you have these hackers seem to find a way in, but, right. but they, they, I think they're finding and stats are showing that some of these small businesses are, are just uh, kind of caught, you know, uh, with, with their pants down, not really kind of like being, being concerned about this stuff. And we're seeing it. I mean, the biggest claims right now are coming like from a ransomware standpoint, which is uh, mm. if they, they, they can kind of access your, your system and then basically hold you hostage, that you, whether they, they can shut down the cloud that you're on, or um, you know, shut down your terminals until you pay them a, a money to, to to make them go away. And that they they also say social engineering. If you can believe it, I mean these um, they put together these crap these emails like you know, so and so like the, like they're the CFO of another company wired me this money for this trade. Right. Kind of like seem to find a way to monitor what you're doing and mm -hmm. they get people to take the bait. As crazy as it sounds, it happens so much. It's the top one of the top two claims, but. Yeah, so that's just a whole other realm, and, and COVID's really enhancing the uh, for sure the need to carry this stuff. Yeah, because they are talking more people are working electronically, remotely, um, human error, and clicking on links and starting viruses in your computer is, is the number one way they grant access to your computer, and they're getting people to do it. So unfortunately, right. small businesses are being targeted now, and uh, <laughs> it's it. I guess you could say you know it's not. Um, everybody should have it but it's a it's a luxury in a sense you should it comes at a cost to 
to have the coverage, but it's becoming just as it's just becoming as important as either general liability these days in many ways. Mm -hmm. They can shut you down and and for good if, if you're not careful. Right. Well, even emails that we used to get and you'd be like, oh, there's tons of spelling errors or it's obviously, you know, it's coming from like a different email address. It's not a valid email address, but it seems like things are getting more sophisticated. And I know I'd heard a story recently where somehow uh, these hackers actually got the bank information that they use and even knew the person that was their main banker's name, um, but just made like one spelling error in it. But it was like you said, one of those wire requests and it looked completely valid, um, but the employee just happened to notice like that one spelling error and then went to the CFO and said, hey, did you really want me to like wire this to the bank? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So thankfully, like they were <laughs> safe. But um, it just seems like they're getting more information or know exactly what you're doing. Like they, they know more of your normal day-to-day -day stuff too. So it's not as obvious when something comes in that's fraudulent. So we really have to be careful. It's, yeah, I mean, it's funny that this is, we're talking about this. I mean, even from a personal standpoint, and here we are recording this right here before Christmas, I bought some gifts on, you know, I've been buying gifts online. I got an email, I think like two days ago, it said it was from Nordstrom and here, claim your um, $15, you know, voucher coupon or something. And I'm like, wow, it looked like everything looked totally legit. And I looked at the uh, URL on it and I noticed it was like www.cie.nord. And I just right there, it's just like, you just kind of have to, you're really right. weary of like what you're clicking on. It sounded kind of too good to be true. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, it can catch you with just, you just put your guard down and one click of, a, of a, an appropriate link and can cause havoc. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it's definitely ramping up right now and becoming mm -hmm. a, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll tell this story. I think I told this one on our uh, prior discussion, but even a, not a, not a very big client of, of, of ours, you only have six, seven employees, but um, they, they got a ransomware situation where someone got into their system, basically shut them down. They said, you know, we demand X amount of dollars or, you know, you're, you're going to be crippled and paralyzed. And they got into some of their um, clients information as well. Mm -hmm. Luckily they had a million dollar uh, cyber liability policy right on the spot. It paid, it paid $300,000 in ransom, but wow. that was not all, you know, they already had gotten into the system after that ransom is paid and trying to get them, get the hackers out of there. Then you have to go through all the process of uh, recuperating your data, buttoning up. These kind of like employment practices policies have like the added resources of a HR component. Right. Of uh, cyber policies are not just a. I don't. You don't just buy the policy to pay damages. They actually have a team of um, IT professionals that kind of patch your systems. Mm. If there are parties that were affected by the breach, they have to help. You know, they send out notices, uh, pay their credit monitoring. Right. Um, sometimes it's a bad PR uh, situation for companies and they need to have a PR team to kind of put out the damage of your business got hacked. So there's a lot of, uh, after the hack happens, it's a long process, process of getting back to normal again. And that particular client, I think uh, they had a million dollar policy, but at the end of the day, the claim itself, I think was a $1.3 million claim and they still wow. had to come out of pocket. So, I mean, it just goes to show it doesn't, you don't have to be a big fish like a, mm -hmm. a Target or Walmart. I mean, they're, if, if you're exposed and they, they can find you, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll find a way to, they'll find a way to, it's, it's hard to believe that there's a I mean, billion dollar industry on there and how they're able to get money like this through the cyber cryptocurrencies and stuff, mm -hmm. but it happens and it's an unfortunate part of the world we live in right now. 
Right. And I think, you know, touching on that whole thing too, about it used to be the bigger companies, but I think because a lot of smaller companies don't necessarily know everything they need to do to protect themselves or pay, you know, IT consultants to help them, like they're easier targets to break into, which is unfortunate, but that's why you need to make sure that you've got some type of protection because you may be attacked and we don't really want to think about that, but it's a possibility. Yeah, unfortunately it is. Mm-hmm. So I know you touched on earlier about like the cost of insurance and, you know, what kind of the amounts that deductibles or things might be, but I would love, I know there's no like set number per se, but if you could give maybe like ranges of what insurance might cost for someone. So if they're interested in getting these type of policies, they kind of know like what it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So depending on what, it, I mean, basically probably the biggest way a carrier is going to determine your premium is looking either at your gross sales or your payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can imagine, you know, you talk about, let's just go back to general liability and work comp because those are the first two we talked about by the most common forms of insurance. If you're a bookkeeper, an accountant, or you're a general contractor, um, yeah, they're going to rate both of you guys on, what your annual sales or payroll are, mm-hmm. but as for general liability, that rate for a, a general contractor might be $20 for every thousand dollars in, in gross revenues. Whereas a bookkeeper could be $10, I like 50 cents. I mean, they're just really rating your exposure based on, on risk. So mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, they're going to rate you on the volume of business you do by either payroll or uh gross sales, but depending on what industry you're in, your rate for a professional service office for an employment practice, or I'm sorry, for an errors and admissions policy is going to be much greater than a contractor would pay, but a contractor is going to pay a lot more in work comp or general liability than you would as a bookkeeper. So it's all kind of, the big picture is tough to tell, but um, you know, you're talking about a home-based business, small home-based business, maybe a consulting business. I mean, you might be looking at a $500 general liability policy that gives you up to $2 million aggregate coverage for $500. You might have an errors and emissions policy for $1,500 a year. And, and that would be it. Um, small business wise. I mean, <laughs> max couple thousand dollars a year uh, if that, but, uh, but again, I, I don't want to sound vague or anything, but it's not right. one size it's fits really all. Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And you know, I get that question all the time. It's a little bit easier if I know specifically what industry and everything, but right. I've been caught like, you know, I, I'll give it my guess and then we get quotes and I'm like, oh, geez, why did I even tell them that? Because I was way off. They're just, there's little things here and there that the underwriters are really looking deeper at. Um, and I, it's an easier, it's an easier uh, answer I can give you if I know a little bit more about you specifically, but uh, just talking about anybody and everybody, um, gosh, it ranges so greatly. Mm-hmm. depending on, on so many factors. Right. Well, I know you were just talking about like coverage amounts too. So can you maybe just explain like what a typical business, you know, a small business owner, you know, might want for that coverage versus like a larger amount too? Because sometimes I think that's just confusing. Like, how do I know how much coverage I really need? Great question. And it would be nice if we had some calculator to know exactly what you know, <laughs> my future risk is going to be. Uh, by default, uh, I guess you could say the standard limits that most carry, carry and what you'll see in most contracts would be like, a, you know, say a million dollars uh, in, in mm-hmm. coverage for general liability, errors and emissions, 
Um, but uh, sometimes companies like large organizations that are continuously hiring consultants and whoever uh, is, is doing the job, they have this kind of cookie cutter template of, you know, you must carry this, that, and everything else. I mean, uh, sometimes they're outrageous. You'll see insurance requirements. I need you to carry 5 million in liability, 10 million in wow. cyber. It's, I, we find too, I mean, those insurance requirements are very negotiable. I mean, if mm-hmm. it depends it's entirely of what kind of scope of work you're doing for an organization or what line of business you're in. Um, we'll get calls a lot of times saying, Hey, Jimmy, look at, I got, here's my three page word document of all the insurance I need to carry for this contract. Start peeling the onion back and Hey guys, I, I give a lot of advice saying, maybe you don't have any employees. You shouldn't have to carry work comp. It's not required by law. Why would it be required in this contract? I think a lot of times people can take that preliminary advice, go back to the person that's requiring certain amounts of coverage and it's always negotiable, but I'd say like, million dollar policies are usually the, the standard mm-hmm. you know? and then that that goes again goes for general liability um, professional liability but um, you know you're doing larger jobs or projects or you're dealing with more sensitive situations maybe the job that you're doing is has a lot lot of a sensitive information and you know they want you to carry 10 million in cyber I mean there's there's no negotiation at times but it, it, it mm-hmm. million dollars is, is kind of like the uh, I guess the norm. Okay. Uh, what you see in recontracts and what most carry. And uh, you see it a lot in general liability. One million per occurrence, two million aggregate. That just means mm-hmm. in any one claim, the most that a carrier would pay out is a million. Aggregate means the most in a policy year. So you could have three claims for like 500,000. You're still under that two million okay. aggregate for the year. So it's, a, it's kind of a common uh, one million, two million uh, limits that you see a lot and people ask about. So. So earlier when you were talking about EPLI too, you said like sometimes like, oh, if they use this HR resource, you know, they might have a lower deductible or something. Is there any other way that someone could save, you know, on their insurance policies or is that pretty much the one way? Deductible is a big way. Uh, It fluctuates too. Um, You can show a carrier a lot. I mean, by default, carriers want to know, uh, they have a pretty standard application or, uh, or um, template of what they want to know about a given uh, insured. But if you can even show even more above and beyond, you know, here, here's, here's what I have these protocols in place. Uh, I have these contracts in place with the people that I work with. I, um, if, if you're showing uh, you, you have a lot of risk transfer, risk uh, management measures in place that you could share with underwriters, Everything is negotiable. I mean, the prices that they give on premiums isn't just like everybody gets the same price. I mean, it, it, if you're really, a, you know, obviously loss history is a big thing for them. Mm-hmm. But if you show you have a lot of protocols and measures in place, again, whether it be you're entering into contracts with people, like maybe attorney drafted contracts, you know, you talk about work comp, if you have mm-hmm. um, safety measures, risk management measures in place to help prevent injuries from happening. If you show this to carriers, I mean, you can really drive the cost down on your insurance, but you know, you have to prove it. And um, if on the other hand, if, if you're just kind of reckless, you don't, you kind of fly by the seat of your pants. You don't have any, no, I don't do anything. I just got lucky. I haven't had any claims. I mean, that's gonna, you know, they're going to either not want to write the insurance or your costs are going to be much higher. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, you know, it depends how like how, how buttoned up you are running your business. If, if you're really want to, do your best to like prevent this from all happening. I mean, your costs are going to come down big time. And mm-hmm. usually when you're, when you're putting all these measures together to protect yourself from risk, 
the, the stats will show you probably don't have many claims or the claims mm -hmm. are very few and far between. And, and, you know, if you want to talk about saving money on operational costs, you have the control to do that. You just really need to make sure you have good measures in place and, and have that passion to protect yourself. You know, it, right. I talk to a lot of proud business owners that are, are very good in every way about how they, they run their business. And, you know, there's kind of crazy, but there's some out there that just, might be very successful, but wow, you know, there it's, it's like, you, you could probably be doing a lot more to protect yourself. It's kind of crazy to think, wow, you, nothing's really happened to you yet, but you should really uh, do a lot more to, to protect your business and, mm -hmm. and you will see the cost come down by doing so. So nice. yeah, that's great information. Cause I think a lot of times people just think, you know, you get a quote, there's the price, you know, and not necessarily yeah. like if I do this, this, and this, it could actually reduce the price. I think that's fabulous information for sharing, you know, you, with you couldn't be uh, closer to the truth. I mean, it's really, really not in this world. I mean, it's, it's like everything else. I mean, for us as, as insurance agents or brokers, I mean, it's, it's, it's like we, we're in the kind of the middle. I mean, we're, we're trying to like sell to our client, but we're also, once we have a client that wants to work with us, I mean, we're having to sell a lot to the carriers and we're, I might have one, one client, but I'm going to five carriers and I'm talking to five underwriters. And, and it's one thing I can coach my, my clients on. If you can show me these things, we can probably get your price down a lot more. It's not one size fits all. You can't just go online and buy, you can in some cases go buy a policy, but right. You know, if, if you're working with someone to help kind of hold your hand and, and put measures in place, we can definitely negotiate premiums to be lower by, by showing the underwriters and the carriers what you're doing to, to protect yourself from risk. Okay. So if someone's ready to get some insurance that they haven't already had, they want to add, you know, a policy or maybe they're a brand new business just starting out. How can one get business insurance? There's a multiple, there's, there's so many outlets you can, you can turn to. I mean, you're a small business, I'm sure there's now a lot of these insured tech online links that you can go buy for yourself. But I mean, honestly, the best way, in my opinion, I may be a little biased, but working with an independent broker, and I, and I say independent broker specifically is because um, us, I'm an independent broker, but we basically have access to all these multiple cares. We can go out to market, find what's best for you in terms of coverage and price. And we don't have to put a broker fee on most of our policies. I mean, in many cases, it's like the carriers are compensating us to place the business with them. So um, you have the luxury of working with somebody to go out to market and, and find you the best coverage. And, and uh, you're not paying any more than you would just to go buy it yourself. So I, I encourage most to, to maybe approach an independent broker. And uh, that way you kind of, you don't really have to go call five different brokers to get five different quotes. I mean, one can get you um, everything you need to see as long as you trust them and what they're doing. Um, right. Uh, for businesses particularly, I mean, it's a lot different than a, a home or personal auto policy. Business is a lot more complex and uh, to have the consultation of a, a seasoned professional and then have them take, take it out to market to find you what you need that's best for you, is it, it's the way to go. Right. Well, I think that's good information for people to know too, because I think there might be this misconception that it is going to cost more because I have to pay, you know, the premium plus I have to pay a percentage, you know, to the broker. So having that information where if they come to you, it's, you know, the same, then they know they have that professional, you know, information from you that helps them make the right decision and it's not going to cost extra. Right. And I, and I can say too, like there, there are those circumstances where a, a small broker fee might need to be added, but honestly, I can attest that the, the, the work that is being done by the broker to help negotiate price, to get that price down. I mean, it pays for itself. It really does. I mean, you, 
if, if you didn't have the guidance of a broker, you might not know it, but you're paying an extra thousand dollars where if you got that consult, consulting from a broker, they might charge a $150 broker fee, but you also saved a thousand dollars behind it. You know, th those, right. are, those are things that really um, uh, alleviate the pain. But again, it's really um, more on the, um, uh, they call them excess and surplus policies. We don't need to go there, but more often than not, broker fees aren't, you don't have to worry about them as a policyholder. And, and I wouldn't right. want people to be discouraged that working with the broker autom automatically costs more because that's definitely not the case. Right. And so one other question I just had while we were, you know, talking, I was thinking with, you know, the insurance needs and we were talking before about sometimes it's based on your revenue or your payroll with things happening now. I mean, some businesses are actually taking off. They've actually, you know, benefited from kind of the chaos that's going on right now due to the pandemic. And then some have had major hits, you know, so should they be looking at changing insurance because of what's happening in their business or, you know, when really should they be looking at, changing insurance at all because of things that are happening in their business? Another great question. Yeah, we're living in a time that we've not seen before. And with that being said, and, and this is where we've had to be, go this whole year as, as, as uh, brokers for our clients. Yeah, some are getting busier. And we talked about, you know, sales being a big part of what your premiums are going to be. We might need to adjust their sales up or down amidst mm -hmm. all this so that they're not nailed with the big audit at the end of their policy terms. People have had to cut employees, unfortunately. We can, we just, you know, to, if that, if, if there's significant change happening right now, no doubt, contact your insurance professional because um, with, with the way your exposure changes, it, it, it will change your, 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 the cost that you're paying as well. I mean, if you're having mm -hmm. unfortunately a hard time, well, we, the carriers right now are being as flexible as ever on, on, on changing their policies now so that they, that's so they're not charging an arm and a leg. We've had to adjust payrolls way down, sales way down, and uh, able to keep the policy active, but just re a reflection of where they are today. And, and the same applies to those businesses that are super busy. I mean, they might be buying more insurance, but there's never a time. You don't need to just worry about when your policy is renewing to, to look it over. And you can, you can call your broker anytime because things can be done midterm anytime. If your business is changing, it's smart to pick up the phone and call. Or if you, yeah, if you feel like, I'm unsure. Do I need to call? just call and uh, get the guidance? Because uh, it, it's not like you can only do that. It's not like buying a like a group health policy where you have right. open enrollment one time a year. No, with with these types of policies, things can be adjusted at any point to uh, to reflect changes in your own business. Right. Well, that's great information too. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I know we've covered a lot of different types of policies, and I, we probably just scratched the surface on some of it too. But I did want to have this conversation to really educate people on the different types of insurance and things uh, that they probably should be looking into. It may not apply, you know, to every business, but at least knowing kind of what those coverages are. So I wanted to thank you for joining me on the show today. Well, I'm, I always love talking with you. Thank you for bringing me on a second time. <laughs> I mean, uh, I get a little passionate about this. I can talk a lot, but uh, it's it's great. I wish you know, it, with me being an insurance nerd, I could probably talk for hours about it all. But uh, you know, honing it down in this 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 little window has been great. Right. Well, is there anything that you have as an offer you would like to share to those listeners now that we're coming to the end of the show? Most definitely. I mean, if you have insurance in place now or not at all, simply have questions. Simply, might have a policy that you know nothing about or want. Some, a set of eyeballs to look it over review and just give some honest feedback I, that comes at no cost for me to 
do a review of any sort, whether you have an existing policy, don't have any at all. Um, again, I'm just, uh, that's, that's, that's what I do. And uh, that, I'll, I, no cost for me to just look over and give you the guidance or advice that you want on your own business insurance. Perfect. And if someone wants to do that, how would they connect with you? Best would be to either call me at uh, my office, which is area code 310-373-6441. My extension is 227. Uh, I actually have, should be a little bit better about it, but I do have my own site, my blog. It's just www.jimkinmartin.com, J-I-M, my last name, K-I-N-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. Or uh, my, my, my agency is uh, ISU, Olson Duncan Insurance. We are based primarily out of Torrance, but our site is olsonduncan.com, O-L-S-O-N, duncan.com. Uh, yeah, from the, those are the three the big areas, and uh, you should be able to track down my information from there if you have any questions. Perfect. Well, thanks again, like I said, for being a guest. And I wanted to thank the listeners for tuning in to this episode today. I hope you found this topic interesting and it did help answer some of the questions that you may have regarding the types of insurance you need to protect your business. If you have any additional questions or comments, feel free to reach out to Jim at any of those uh, methods that he gave to you. Or of course, you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share this podcast with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. Next week's topic is virtual selling in a digital era. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. You can also find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to This Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.